Thanks, team. That is great. You know, it's kind of encouraging to hear or to know that the Spirit of the Lord resides in the praises of His people. And I, I feel that this morning. I'm so excited to be here this morning because, well, just good to be anywhere, but also to be back. And uh, we had quite a fun time in Guatemala, and I, I know we gave you a teaser last week, and um, this week what we're going to do is tell you some more specifics, and I'm getting real feedback up here, so let me know what I need to do if I need to do anything. Um, I'm Curtis, by the way, and my wife and uh, my wife Sue and Tammy uh, Smethurst are co-leaders on the, on the mission to Guatemala, and uh, we are together as a team, we're going to relay some stories, and uh, Brad, he said, we're going to do something we haven't done before, well, before we left on the trip, and you know, our mind is focused on the future and the trip and everything, and Brad says, and when you come back, you can do an update. Okay, great. That's awesome. And uh, you have the whole sermon. You have the whole service to do it. What? This is like, this is so crazy. Um, I, I started getting really super nervous, and, and I wasn't nervous because I'm nervous to stand up here in front of you, my friends, but I got nervous about, this little verse came to my mind, and it, it, it goes like this, it says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So I was kind of freaking, I, I mean, literally this did happen to me, I, I started thinking about this, and uh, I thought, well, that's encouragement. Um, where do I go from here? Like, stuff like that makes me really appreciate Wally and Brad, you know, uh, because of that scrutiny. And I, I started taking that really seriously. And then um, I thought, well, what I have to do then is not preach and teach. Um, like, I could just try to find another way out. And then I thought, well, what's the easy way? And then I started thinking, and I, this parable came to mind. And if you guys know the parable of the talents the very end, there's, there's one guy who gets his coins, his talents, and he decides to take the safe way, and he buries them in the ground. And when the master comes, uh, well, you know, this is like spoiler alert, right? Um, if you don't know the story, this is basically what happens. Uh, it says in Matthew 25, 14, 30, he says, uh, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that wasn't much more encouragement to me either. <laughs> so my mind really started racing. I need to bring value. I love letting Scripture just speak, right? So, you know, I, I love to say, what is, what is the Lord speaking about in this time? And then finding a Scripture and just let that speak. And so um, I thought, well, I like expository preaching style and uh, versus exegesis. And then I started thinking about that. And I'm not a scholar. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a preacher. So I looked it up Wikipedia. <laughs> and uh, it said something like this. Expository preaching differs from topical preaching in that the former concentrates on a specific text and discusses topics covered therein, whereas the latter concentrates on the specific topic and references texts covering the topic. Okay. So I'm no further along. Uh, that didn't help me either. So then I looked a little further, and I found one that's perfect for me, and it's called the Individual Choice Method. <laughs> so, that, that's, isn't that awesome? Wikipedia had the Individual Choice Method. Um, isn't that what life is about, individual choices? So, that means what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically talk a bit. The team is going to come up. And we're going to make sure that we add God's word in there. So it's like a parfait or a trifle where all the good bits are kind of mixed in and you get to discover it along the way. So that's my method. Let's just stop and pray right now. And we're going to use that ABC method and make it, have a real brief prayer. Heavenly Father, dear Jesus, I pray that your word will speak through the Holy Spirit to our hearts and minds and that your kingdom will come. Your kingdom will be glorified this morning. So, your kingdom come. Darwin, there's a screen for that. Yeah. Does that look like God's kingdom coming? 
How does this fit together? That's what we want to touch on this morning. So I'm going to, as, as a precursor to this, by the way, I didn't let Sue know what I'm preaching about. And so there's going to be some stuff in here she might be surprised about. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I, want to, I want to start really, really quickly and let you know why we went to Guatemala and how that came about. Um, it's funny that I was not a uh, proponent of short-term missions, um, to say the least. I really had the idea that it was a big waste of money to send 50 kids to Africa for two weeks to interrupt the work that the missionaries there were doing in order to paint a church for the second time that month. You know, and that really was my mindset. My, my parents were big supporters of missionaries, and I don't know why that came into my mind. And I, I, I held on to that for a long time, and it was only after coming to Jericho Ridge that I, I started, or the Holy Spirit started to crack that. And he cracked that in the weirdest place. Um, he used a vacation in Cancun to grab my attention. I was on this dream scuba diving adventure, but I was having trouble equalizing my ears. So then when my partner and I came back up, uh, we found out that there was a diving emergency. One of the other divers was experiencing uh, distress. I decided to cut the dive short, go with them on the evac boat back to Cancun. And from Cancun, I took public transit, rode with the locals, and walked, etc., and made my way back down to the hotel. And along that way, I saw how the other people lived, the people that were working in my hotel. And it was like a four, four-and-a-half-star place. We had everything we can imagine. We had people in, wearing their whites, and it was just amazing. But yet, I got to see where they came from, where they lived. And then that really started to bother me. I, I just saw that disparity, and the Holy Spirit tugged on my heart. This verse in James 1.27 started to have a new meaning for me. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So, in 2008... We're back at Jericho Ridge, and our friend Ralph Terpstra had just returned from Guatemala. He told of the plight of people dragging themselves along the street because they didn't have wheelchairs. They're literally on their feet, or on their hands, pulling themselves across the street. He talked about a mission there that provided wheelchairs and food and clothing and schooling and even small homes. He said, eh, Guatemala's not that far. It's just below Mexico, and hey, they need your help. And... Uh, I just love how he made that so simple. <laughs> uh, he invited everyone to join uh, him on his next trip, and uh, that got me thinking. I was ready to go. I was looking for an opportunity at that point. I just had to convince Sue, and uh, we'd be good. And at the time, our kids were pretty young. And uh, so we went home, and after lunch, Sue just turned to me in the kitchen and said, you know, that trip that Ralph does, would that be something that we could do as a family? <laughs> I was just like jumping up inside, I, 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 like up, up inside, you know, my head, and I was so excited, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we should consider that, right? You know, it's like, that's probably cool. The Holy Spirit had gone before me, and, and that's a theme, and I want to let you guys know that just keep on watching out for that. You, you see, there's, there's Ben on the left, and uh, Rachel, they've changed a little bit now. And uh, this, this lady, I, I just remember every one of these stories. And her, her plight, she lived on the side of a highway. And uh, I could get going into that. But we're going to talk about this here. But not too long, long after we chatted with uh, Ralph, we were off to Guatemala. Um, and then here we are 10 years later. Things really snowballed. It's amazing. And we give God the glory. So after the first trip, it was quite an eye-opener for us. And then we went back. But why did we go back? Why did we decide to encourage other people to go? And the number one reason is, well, we're commanded to love. Part of the kingdom coming is God commanding us to love. And that seems a little strange. You know, um, the Bible says that as Christians, it's our responsibility to love. 
and as a command, when you get commanded to do something, I know you just think back to, you know, parents, when you were kids and you were cleaning up your room and then your parents came in and said, hey, make sure you get this room cleaned up, right? Boom. I don't want to clean up my room anymore. I, I don't want to do the thing I was commanded to do. But God says that in, in deep love, he's commanding us to love others. And let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 4. We've probably seen this before. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices. If we follow these commands we can see his kingdom come. I mentioned, uh, I mentioned that passage. There's also another familiar passage um, that I would really encourage you guys to, to look at 1 Corinthians 13 and then uh, Galatians 5, 23 together and see how you've got this promise and this action that work together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. So how do we get these things? Um, how, do, how do we get love? How do we get joy? Um, it would be really cool if I could just say right now, hey, we all have our smartphones. Uh, we've got pretty good Wi-Fi in here. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to download the app and, uh, you know, on... on uh, you know, on the count of three, let's just hit download, and we get all the love, joy, and peace we'll ever need. But it's not passive. It's, we can't just do that. We're not just going to sit there and wait for God to zap us. Um, it's, it's an active, uh, well, let's, let's take, take a look at that. It said, love is patient. Love is kind. And that has... I don't want to get caught up in the linguistics because I'm really scared of that because I'm, you know, we have those professionals here. But isn't it cool? Like, is it means that like it does it, and it it's a it's an action and state of being all in one, and uh, that's really cool. So we need to put it into place. We need to seek one another's well-being. We need to get off our butts and do it. Uh, we need to actively show God's love in order to respond to com- God's command. So we're really proud, by the way, of Jericho Ridge's willingness to serve. Um, the elders, we talk about this all the time. I mean, listen to Brad's prayer today. Those are our prayers for our members here. Uh, those people are all active in, in a ministry that's also a vocation, but you all are also very active here. And it's amazing, this, the, the percentage of people who are showing love. We're very proud of you. Galatians 6.25 says, Carry each other's burden, burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. If you want to learn more, like I said, about God's love, take a look at Galatians 5 and, um, and Corinthians as well, uh, 1 Corinthians, and just see how they work together. And there's so many items in in 1 Corinthians 13, that when it says love is kind or does not envy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, there's more verses that give that corresponding action. And I'm not going to take the time this morning to do that. We just don't have the time because I want to get into telling you more stories. But I just really want to let you know that God has a heart for this. It, it takes work. We're going to get love, but we also need to get up and give it as well. So, Mark 16, 15. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And in James, we already read this verse. It says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their stress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. 
And it was really cool as I was uh, studying and, and reading God's Word, I, f- I found out this little gem. And when uh, Paul was getting ready to go off with Barnabas, and he was with a, um, who was he with? He was with Peter and John and James. And they were kind of divvying up what they're going to do. Some were going to go out and speak to the Jews, and, and he was going to go speak to the non-Jewish people. And one of the little things that, that I read, it was so cool. Um, it's in Galatians 2, 9 to 10. And at the, they decided what to divvy up, the work that they were going to do. And James, Peter, and John agreed. They said, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing that I had been eager to do all along. Taking care of the, the preaching the good news and taking care of the poor were already on Paul's heart, and the apostles confirmed it. Once again, God was going before them, as he does for each one of us who desires to do his will. So we're going to get into love in action. Uh, Matthew 10, 42, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. And so with this verse in mind, let's jump into our past week in Guatemala. And I have to say that as we go through this, this is not a story about me. It's not a story about Sue or any member of the team. It's it's about all of us because all of us were so critical. I mean, all of you as Jericho Ridge and your friends and family really worked together to uh, make this mission possible in your prayers, in your financial giving. And I, I mean your prayers, sometimes we seem to throw that in and just say, and uh, remember to pray, but really we want you to give. We really needed your prayers. And we saw that right from the beginning how God was going before us, how he was hearing your prayers, and how he's answering them. So we left Langley at, well, we're already on, we're already on Sunday, man. We're moving ahead. That's okay. Don't, no worries. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Saturday because that set us up for the week. Um, we left at 3 a.m. here in Langley, met at the airport, and Dave... You know, it's his first time to Guatemala, and he was already sick. Like, how does that happen? Like, usually, you know, it's, we don't do pre, we, we usually do post. And, uh, but he had been really sick. And the elders and, the, and uh, friends had been praying for him already um, early that morning. And the Aeromexico flight, it was surprising. It was really, really good. Super comfy seats. They actually had good food for us. And Dave was able to sleep most of the trip. When we arrived in Mexico City, we had hockey bags that had um, supplies in them. And they were big, you know, big Canada hockey bags. And uh, security looked at those things and said, mm-mm, you have to go out and go through security again with those and check them in again. And uh, so just as a, as a side, we went through there. Um, ben and Sue and I, we went and we went upstairs. And we went out and it felt really weird to just to go out and the like leave our team and and are we going to get back in and we made some arrangements there and we came back in and we went through security uh and then this guy gentleman in a suit he's just been watching me watching me and i'm kind of noticing he's watching me and then he walks up and says um in in broken english basically uh we've selected you for a full search and uh like oh wow this this is exciting it's like, okay, so um, I just like you know we just got to get through, got to see the team, got to make sure those bags go through, and and uh, so they they call a guy over and he starts to check me out really carefully, and uh, wipe down our, my bags you know with the, like the drug testing and all that stuff and um, I just I have no idea what's going to be next and uh, we move through this and very thorough, um, and then. At the end of it, the gentleman in the suit comes up and he's got a clipboard and, and he says, um, basically, would you be willing to take a customer service survey? <laughs> it was the strangest thing. And then, he, and then uh, I didn't know you even know what to say. He asked me a few questions and, and I thought, oh, I have to keep this simple. And I said, well, basically, 
He was very friendly. And he's like, oh. And I added, but professional. And he's, oh, yeah, professional. And he wrote down professional. And he's like, you guys go right through. And we made it through. Our bags made it through. And that was awesome. So, uh, you know, God, God just kept on going before us when we got there. And Dave, you know, he wasn't 100% yet. But we found that it, it actually has, that airport has a rare HSBC Premier client lounge. And we were able to go up there. Dave was able to hang out there and have a nice clean uh, bathroom. And the rest of us got free Wi-Fi. That was cool. Thank you, HSBC. Uh, Dave then slept through the rest of the time. And... Uh, he was looking much better by the time we got in Guatemala. And Sue told me something just yesterday. She said, you know how, we, how uh, customs went when we got into Guatemala and how we always worry about it? She said, as, I, as we were collecting our things, and we have a lot of things, we have a lot of suitcases per person, we just pack them as, as fill, filled up with as many gifts and supplies as we can. And so we're often the last ones out. And Sue had been watching them. They were scanning. They were checking everybody out as we were going and um, as they were leaving the airport. And uh, we got all our things together. And lo and behold, as God would have it, we walked up. They shut down the machines. We walked through. All our bags, everything. And it was just an amazing answer to prayer. We've had some times where, you know, all these things that we bring, we have nothing to hide, but they just can provide an opportunity. This year, not a question. Just welcome to Guatemala, and we're on our way. So Ben and Chris Mooney, they took us up to, they picked us up, and they uh, took us up to Chimaltenango. It was about midnight by the time we got to that town, and they, they said, uh, well, we'll see you at 7 a.m., and we negotiated 8 a.m. Uh, to be up and picked up and on our way. So... 8 a.m., Chris arrives, the day is clear and sunny, the air smells fresh with a hint of cooking fires, and that's just the smell of diesel, the smell of cooking fires and other stuff is often in the air. And uh, we had breakfast there, and we learned some good news that the wheelchair distribution shop was locked, which is not really good news because we would love to show our, our friends the shop. But the good news was everything was loaded. The, the truck was loaded, and usually we'd spend a big chunk of our time doing that. And with a small team, it would have just taken up our day. Um, they'd already taken care of it, so we praised God for taking care of that concern. We drove up to Salola, or Solola, and we checked into the hotel, and right away we drove out to the countryside uh, to Marta's home. And we all worked hard. We were all just so excited to be there. Dave worked hard. Uh, we put in a concrete foundation, and just as we were finishing, the rain and the wind started, uh, we need to get out of there before that road that you see in the background turned into mud. And uh, we would have been, well, I don't know, we'd been bunking with them. So we promised we'd be back in a couple days. And uh, yeah, let's just flip through these because you see the team at work. Um, Dave was working. He worked actually really hard. Uh, that's Marta. And she was so excited every day. She had a smile on her face, just looking forward to being there. That's her husband in the background. And he was working, and then he would come and and help us out as well. Um, And that's going to bring us to Monday, and we're going to pick up the pace. God prepares the way for us. So it's wheelchair distribution day. I get a a knock on my door. I'm woken up. I... Like, this is before my alarm, what's going on? Uh, it was Darwin at the door, and he said, we got an issue, we got to take care of Dave. Went over to Dave's room, um, his heart was racing, and uh, we, we knew right then that we had to take him to the hospital. And we picked him up, we carried him to a vehicle, and uh, we, we were just praying, like that we could find somewhere to, to take him. And um, yeah, that was, that was a shocker for me. But yet, I had a, a weird sense of calm. Like, we knew we had to get things done. Um, our other partners were really calm. Uh, they were on the phone right away uh, looking for a place for us to take him. 
Um, once Dave was in the vehicle, we had Jorge, who is a professional driver. He was driving. Um, we had um, Ben Mooney, who was also in the vehicle with our Ben and I. Ben Mooney, as God would have it, he's a trained EMT. He is an ambulance driver. Uh, he, had gone, he had just come back. They had been away for um, a few years. He had had his training and experience, and now there he was with our team, and uh, we had him in the vehicle taking care of Dave. Uh, we got to the, hotel, the hospital, and uh, we let them know um, our situation. Right away, they let us in, and it was just amazing um, how, how quickly everything progressed, and then it slowed right down after Dave got a, got a bed, and then they had to go through their procedures. But we, we felt comforted that we could pray, that Ben was there, uh, he would keep an eye on him, and it was really cool. I, I've been to a lot of places in Guatemala. I've seen a lot of sites. The one place people told me not to go is like certain areas of Guatemala City. The other one is the National Hospital. And, and, and so there we were, like, wow, it's, this is pretty crazy. I get to see something new every trip. But um, they, they took care of Ben, uh, Ben, or they took care of Dave, and Ben Mooney was fantastic. He was actually made suggestions to their, their team, to the doctor, and they followed that. They gave him an IV drip, um, and he was all stabilized. Everything was cool, um, and, and we left them behind. Oh, and before we left, the doctor, he's a younger doctor, and he, he just spoke Spanish, and then he turned to the rest of us, and, and he says, as Dave is laying there, he goes, Instagram moment. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah, that lightened that up. That was good. So uh, my son Ben and I, we, all, we, we took off in uh, the, the big armada and we went through uh, Russia or traffic and we, we just plugged our way through getting through the town. And what struck me was if this had happened before, or this had happened later in the morning, we wouldn't have been able to get to the hospital quickly. Uh, God had given us this, this perfect window when no one was on the streets, and it was just quiet, and we were there in just minutes. So that was cool. Um, wheelchair distribution. We're already there. I mean, it's a full morning already. So uh, I started out working with Darwin. Sue was working with Ben. Tammy helped at the registration desk. Uh, Victoria, uh, or Hannah was helping Tammy, and Victoria was just awesome. She helped wherever she was needed, and uh, she was great with the kids. It was, it was just excellent. Um, around noon, all of a sudden, uh, Ben Mooney showed up, and Dave was there. Dave just walked right in like, you know, nothing had happened, and uh, that was an answer to prayer. Um, and there he is working. It, it was just, it was a great time. Um, we had one elderly lady, and this is how it works out. I don't know why God does this. It's like a, it repeats itself. But one elderly lady had been missed, and uh, she just sat through the whole wheelchair distribution hour after hour, and she just sat there quietly. And right near the end, we recognized our mistake, and we looked around, thought, what are we going to put her in? Of course, we have, like, the perfect chair at the end. I, and I know, like, we've said this so many times. It's always like that. One last person who walks in the door, God provides that perfect chair. could be a specialty chair. could be whatever. Um, and, and she was just so gracious, and she was so kind, and uh, she was just p so patient. And as we were getting, getting her chair ready, it took a little extra time, and... We, we caught her, like, fixing her hair and getting ready for her, her photo with uh, her new ride. So uh, it was a wonderful time. I mean, you guys can see these this amazing photos. These are just a few of the people that we were able to assist uh, with mobility and with hope and with dignity. I'm going to talk about this guy. So just as you see him there, like, he's, uh, he's going to show up later in the story as well. It's pretty cool. Um, one of the things I mentioned last week was that we were concerned that our, 
our location had changed and we were going, not going to have the same pastoral support, which had been fantastic in past years. But God once again provided. We, there was an evangelism team, as you see in these photos, and they uh, were fantastic. They, every, every wheelchair recipient uh, actually gets time to pray, to, hear their, um, to share their requests to God with that team and to hear the gospel. And, uh, you know, what was really cool is by the end of the day, 18 people had joined God's family. So that, you know, I just like, I just praise God for that. Like this is a mission that's effective and uh, seeds are planted. And, you know, we can, we can only plant so many seeds, but these are seeds that are planted and God's going to take care of these people, right? It's just amazing. So, that was a long time, but we got to keep on moving here. Um, after the wheelchair distribution, we went out to visit a, a couple of families. Like, we never stop. So one of the families we visited, uh, the daughter-in-law was visiting. She and her husband uh, told us the story how their child had uh, meningitis. It cost them $10,000 to have that taken care of. They were doing whatever they could to pay that down. They still had three grand left to pay. The mother, their mother had worked. Uh, she, she washes the lady in the pink there. She washes clothes for police officers and other, um, other people. And she was able to, she's putting the kids through school. One's going to be a lawyer. One is going to be a police officer. And we were really, really encouraged by the fortitude of this mother who just had the perseverance and, uh, the faith to take care of her family in this way. And, and so, um, Chris had mentioned to them that when, when you get the money for the plot of land, you buy that plot of land, you let us know, and we're going to see to uh, building you a house. And, and so that was really cool. Um, you know, God cares about the details as well. Uh, that Monday, we went to visit a lady called um, Delia, and um, her story is just heart-wrenching, and I think it's better told from a woman's perspective. So I'm going to invite Tammy to come up and uh, relay this story. Which mic should we use here, guys? Does it matter? Tammy, do you want this? Okay. awesome. Go ahead. Yeah. Help. <laughs> Tammy's an amazing member of our team. You wouldn't believe the transition from the very first time she went to uh, and, and what she saw and how she reacted. And always with a willing and open heart, uh, she went into every experience and ended up with flea bites and other bites and lots of things happened. But now she's a veteran, so I am go a veteran. <laughs> I, I thought that song just before you started was really fitting when it was saying, um, shout it from the mountains and tell it to the masses because I'm not much of a public speaker, so this stage is a really big mountain for me, <laughs> and you are my masses, so, <laughs> so here I am. So I am going to introduce you to Delia. Uh, we visited her late in the day one afternoon after we had already had, as Curtis described, a pretty full day. Um, we were tired uh, and exhausted, uh, but we still had homes to visit. And Delia shared her story with us, and I am going to share it with you. So Delia is 23 years old. I think we have some photos of her that will come up. There she is. Um, when she was 15, she was married to an older man, and they had two children together. And by the time she turned 18, her husband had left her, taken their children, and moved to a different town because he had met another 15-year-old that he would like to marry. So Delia was left on her own, struggling to support herself while facing the pain of being abandoned and losing her children. Soon after that, she remarried, and she had two more children, Alvin, who is two, and Natalia, who is nine months. 
when Delia was pregnant with Natalia, her current husband sold their home out from under her and abandoned her pregnant with one small child. Now two small children, because she's since had the baby. Again, Delia was faced with the struggle of having to support herself along with two young children. She's managed to find a room to rent in a boarding house where she pays 400 katsalas a month, which is about 80 Canadian dollars. But it is just that. It is only a room. It is four concrete walls for a single mom and two children that share a bed. Yet, Delia is innovative. She has made a closet out of a cardboard box. She has strategically hung homemade shelving mm -hmm. to keep her meager belongings off of the floor. She's put together a makeshift bassinet that hangs over the bed so she can utilize the small space that she has. Delia finds whatever work she can. It's usually cleaning houses or washing clothes for a couple hours a day. She usually does this with her two small children in tow as there's nobody to care for them. She doesn't make much and she just can't get ahead. She's already a month behind on her rent. And even though she has acquired a small cook stove, she has no way to use it as she cannot afford to purchase propane. And for the last nine months, Delia and her children have been surviving on small amounts of cold tortillas, potato chips, and raw hot dog wieners. Thanks to the generosity of many of you, we were able to provide Delia and her children with a food pack, a Bible, some clothing and shoes. We were also able to pay her back rent to her landlord and get her up to date. Curtis and a couple others went out and we picked up a propane tank, filled it up with propane, showed her how to use her cook stove so that she now has a way to cook the rice and beans that were in the food pack we were giving her. I left her house with a heavy heart and I felt like we are supposed to come back from our trip in Guatemala and share amazing stories of changed lives and wrap the trip up with a big bow on top. And there were amazing stories of changed lives. That did happen. But Delia's situation felt hopeless to me. We could provide her with help for some practical needs for this month. And she was very thankful. But how does a single mom with two small children, no family support, no financial support, even begin to break the cycle of extreme poverty? God led us to Delia that afternoon so we could be an encouragement to her, to show her that she is loved and she is valued. Gladys, one of the local volunteers uh, that was traveling around with us, and a woman from the local church there in Solola, also joined us that afternoon when we visited Delia. And they've taken an interest in her and they are helping her to try and find more sustainable work and some better housing. So as difficult as this is to see and to be a part of, and while my heart is heavy for Delia, this is God's kingdom in action. God has continued to use his people to show his love and his mercy to Delia, even in her hardest times. Thanks, Tammy. It's, it's one thing to sit here in our comfort and to uh, hear the story, and we know, you know, just, just by seeing Tammy, and thanks for your courage, Tammy, too, um, her telling that story, but to be in the room with someone who's actually going through this is, is really tough, and, uh, you know, we, my mindset is, how do we fix this now, and how, what do we do right now? Let's get, let's do it. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't, work that way, but what we can do is we can be, be obedient to what God has called us to do on that day 
Now, let me tell you, I'm sure that she did not think that this bunch of ragtag green, gringo team was going to show up and be the answer to her prayers for some of her needs. Um, and I, th- I think it was, it was a big surprise to her, and she was very loving and, and gracious. Um, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday was the day that we built Marta's and her family's home. And uh, while the guys were working on the home, Chris took the gals to visit a home that we had uh, built not too far down the road uh, last year. And uh, that was really cool. They had really cared for their home, and that was neat to see. Um, back at this, this place, uh, the wind really picked up, but the, the rain held off, which was great. And uh, Ben and Emily, uh, they did a really great job helping us. Jorge was fantastic. And uh, while we were building, Chris informed us that the family would provide food. This was a first for us. The family really, really wanted to provide us lunch. We'd brought lunch. They said, nope, nope. Um, And we had kind of got an idea that they were up to something anyways, just by their actions. But they were still doing their work, and they work from home, and they work out in the fields as well. Um, But as we were building, actually, I think I have a picture of it, Darwin, of uh, Tammy and Sue, and they are just pros now at building these bunk beds. There's still three-tier bunk beds that we have to maximize the space. And uh, while we were doing that, Marta walked in, and I just had a, a chance to see her moving around. I grabbed my camera, and um, the guys were putting everything together for her, and this is what we saw. Like, she did not know she was getting a bed. That We don't even comprehend the fact that someone could not have a bed in their house and it was just an amazing surprise to her. So thank you guys once again for providing a bed. It was, it was a wonderful thing and a great surprise for her. Um, so afterwards, we all met inside the house to pray, uh, bless the home. Uh, they were so appreciative, and it was just a wonderful thing. We made sure that we always let them know that it's, it's not a gift from us, the team, but it's a gift from you, and it's a gift from God. So through you guys, God is able to bless this family. And uh, it's now uh, this landmark of this blue house on the hill, and it's really, really cool. Um, you know, Sue, can you come up and tell us a little bit about this family and, and uh, maybe the significance of the lunch we had? Thanks. I've, I've been to Guatemala 12 times, and I go because I have a deep love for the people and a desire to help as many of them as I can with their struggles. And yet, I still have some basic things that God's been trying to teach me on each of these trips. So on the day that we built Marta and Carlos's house, we sent the guys ahead to start construction. And we stopped at the market. We bought some blankets and some sets of sheets because we wanted to make it super nice for them. And then when we arrived at the site, the guys told us that they had seen some chickens being killed. And so, I mean, I got a little nervous. Um, The family had spent the whole morning preparing a feast for our team. And it was their expression of gratitude to us for their new home. And I'd like to say that we were excited for this lunch. Um, But if I'm going to be honest, it was probably the last thing that we wanted that day. Um, They had set up a table in the father-in-law's room, and it was an impressive spread. Um, This family, they, they had next to nothing, and yet they had set it up beautifully. And they didn't even join us. They just served us. It's hard to explain the feeling, but I was so humbled. Um, The meal, it was probably the biggest and the best meal that they had ever cooked. And um, yet we sat there and as we ate, we worried about how it would affect our stomachs. 
And one of us even joked that we looked like the painting The Last Supper because um, we were sitting at this long table. And that was the one time that I was thankful for our language barrier. <laughs> so some of the thoughts that ran through my mind that day were, why can't I just be grateful and accept this beautiful gift? And do I really understand what true sacrifice is? And why don't I just trust that God and Ducrall will sustain me? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Super humbling experience. The meal was wonderful, um, but still things for each of us to learn. Yeah, thanks, Sue. You know, we titled this section, you know, basic, that, um, what did I title this section? Uh, we don't want free gifts. And, you know, how often is that the case? I mean, we were given the greatest gift, an offer for the greatest gift of all, as uh, Christ gave his life for us in an act of, of love for each one of us. And yet, so many times we don't want it because it makes us feel uncomfortable. We're scared of the ramifications. And uh, last week, while well, he talked about sacrifice, and to, to this family, this was a massive sacrifice. We, we couldn't believe the joy that they had, and they were giving up so much. And, and um, you know, I think about God's love and the joy that he has as each person decides to uh, follow him and uh, take advantage of his son's sacrifice and, and what that means. Um, yeah. So I have to say that that food was really tasty. And, our, and I think our team actually fared quite well after eating it. And uh, one of the other things, too, is that we have to praise God that at, the, at this site and at the other site, we had no problems getting all our things in. Um, with a small team, it would have been tough to do hikes like we have done in the past. But uh, we just drove right up, and we were able to um, drop everything off and then collect everything up, and then off we were off on to our next adventure. Um, I'm going to skip right to, to Wednesday. Uh, that was a full day. We always, we always do uh, like builds and then go visit families. Um, we, were, we were up early to load up supplies. And then uh, we went up into the, in, down into a valley, a beautiful valley. Um, every inch of this valley is, is fertile and uh, they're planting um, onions and uh, vegetables. And it was just, it's a really, really beautiful area to be in. And that was um, on our way to uh, Mart- Martina's house. And uh, along the way, going up this hill, if you see that windy road, as we were driving up there, this gentleman, he looks pretty stoic right there. But he, we just happened to see as we're driving along, all of a sudden, we see this guy. And he's waving. And he's there. And he's got some crutches. And, you know, he's, you see he's missing his uh, foot. And, and he was just waving and smiling at us. And as we went by, Ben said, hey, I gave that guy a wheelchair yesterday, and I gave him wheelchairs, and, you know, it was really cool, because there he was, on his way to work with his wheelchairs, and he's getting picked up, and it was just so cool to see. Um, we, we worked on the house, and we can skip right to that, uh, and she helped us. Uh, she was a big helper. She was also quality control, as I mentioned last week making sure that we made this house right. Uh, her little son, Juan, uh, he was a boy, you know, like, I don't know, he just knew how to put his thumb on that hose and spray it around and, you know, get that going. That was really cool. Um, and the house build, uh, or the foundation in this case, um, went super well. And uh, it didn't take much time. And after the setting the floor, we were able to do some home visits. And uh, we just got to keep that team busy. Otherwise, they can get into trouble. So um, off we went. We climbed up a goat trail uh, and then down a goat path to uh, visit a home um, where, where the, this, you wouldn't believe how many people were in this house. I still, to this date, have no idea how many people live in this little house. Dave, can you, where are you? Can you come up here and enlighten us what went on here? And I know we're probably going to run a little bit long this morning. Um, just to get through this. Brad said it was okay. So 
If you don't mind like a really extra tender roast or maybe a little dry roast or whatever you're having for lunch, or those tacos, will they last? Tacos? Okay. Um, we're going to hear just a, another story here, and, and we're going to be moving through this. So, Dave. Is it on now? Yep. Excellent. Well, good morning. Oh, there's someone awake. All right. Well, I was invited to share with you this morning the answer to this question, what part of the short-term mission stood out to me? This is not a quick nor an easy answer, as you've heard some of the stories this morning already. And there are so many more that we've talked about as a group that haven't come up. Before I share this part of my trip, though, I wanted to say uh, thank you to God for putting this team together and, uh, you know, everything that went around with that, with the site builds and being able to get right to where we needed to go. And just to thank all of you guys for your generosity, because without that, it wouldn't be possible for us to be here talking about it. Before we left, we had meetings and I was asked which part of the trip I was looking forward to the most. Of course, I thought it was going to be the home builds. Uh, I had no idea how far off I was going to be when I gave the answer to that question. By the end of day two, we'd completed a foundation, a wheelchair distribution, and we'd already been on two home visits. And some of us had done some extra stuff, as you've heard about. <laughs> You know, uh, after Curtis and I uh, were kind of talking about that, and uh, I, I kind of joked back and forth because that's my method, but I said, Curtis, I remember uh, end of September, beginning of October, you stood up here and you said, it's our 10th anniversary, we want to make it memorable. And I sat in the third row in the third chair over and go, I can make it memorable. <laughs> Curtis didn't find that very funny. Dave has a history. <laughs> So anyways, after day two, from this point on, I was waiting with anticipation to hear Chris Mooney. Uh, he's the leader of Bethel Ministries in Guatemala say, we're going for a home visit. I was hooked. It was amazing to see how Chris's initial introduction with each family leads them down a different uh, path of conversation. Uh, he can adapt so well uh, in any given scenario as he listens to their story and their situation and shares with the family about Jesus and how we were led there to help. Uh, there was one family where we met uh, two young twin girls uh, on this path as we were leading up to their house. These girls were very excited to see us, and I'm still not sure why these two young girls were excited to see 10 strange gringos, but they were. As we walked into their home, we met the mother, and from the bedroom we could see from time to time sets of eyes peeking around the corner. Hannah and Victoria, um, they tried and were momentarily successful by offering them candy, but again, they would run back into the bedroom and hide. There was one thing similar uh, I found with each home visit that the boys were generally shyer than the girls. Chris, while in conversation, quickly noticed that the boys were interested, but very, very shy. He piques their curiosity by bringing out the iPad. And, uh, <laughs> uh, much to the amazement of all of us, he begins showing them pictures of zoo animals. The boys were all quick to join out of the room, and they keep coming. As Curtis said, we were trying to figure out how many lived in this home, but they kept coming out. In the end, I believe there was ten, eight present and two off at work. After going through a zoo with her animals and several hilarious impressions, he begins to ask them questions about God, and finally, do you pray? He asks each child one by one, and they all answer yes. He then asks all of them, can we pray with you? And again, they all answer yes. Chris leads them in prayer, and all the children start repeating after him. And to my amazement, the oldest boy, and quite honestly, the shyest, was now front and center, leading his brothers and sisters in prayer. He was speaking with a confidence that we had not witnessed since our arrival. At that moment, we witnessed Christ working through Chris, 
and helping him provide a way to teach even the youngest of hearts. Thanks, Dave. So, girls, Hannah and Victoria, was like, uh, was it scary going there? Or was it fun? Or how, what was what was your experience like, especially going to this house? Um, it isn't scary playing with the kids, even though you don't speak as good Spanish as them. Um, just like here, kids are kids, and they really just want to play with you. Yeah. That we had pretty good laughs over um, Hannah's funny accent in Spanish. Um, but overall, kids are kids. They just want to play, and they don't really, like, it's not nerve-wracking yeah. when you do it. It was awesome having you along. It was awesome having Victoria along. Hannah's been before. Victoria came for the first time. And we had some fun on, on this visit too, right? Yeah. We got to, you, you were really awesome uh, coloring with them and engaging them. And anything stand out for you? Do you remember? Well, after the home visit, yeah. we, all the kids would run up and they'd say, and they'd run up and they'd yell, tag! Yeah. And then they'd just run up the hill to the van where we had the clothes and the shoes out for them. We were able to give them something special from you guys that they were really excited about. What? Well, the twin girls, me and my mom helped them get clothes, and they saw the underwear, and they freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big surprise. It was, it was pretty funny. I think we have a picture of that moment right here. And they were just, like, absolutely thrilled. And they, uh, I think they put some on right away. So we don't have photos of that. Thank you. And just like, you know, we were actually parked on somebody's roof. It was right by the side of the road. They built their house right there. And there was concrete. And we just parked there. So that was really cool. Thank you guys so much for coming up. It was great to have you on the trip, too. Yeah. You know, there, there are so many stories. I mean, we went to visit another lady afterwards where water was their issue, where, I mean, uh, it was just, I'm going to go off script a little bit here, Darwin, but you guys can see how beautiful it was. There's a roller coaster getting there. It was a big hike getting there. But, you know, us being tired and carrying food and all these things and hiking is nothing compared to the situations and the living conditions that they have. Um, these guys had... Once again, next to nothing, there was a, it was a two-hour walk to get water if they didn't have the pump and access to the well, which was really only probably about 50 feet away from their house. Um, and we're going to see if we can help them out with a, a bathroom that their husband is, or her husband has been um, digging a hole for. So um, by the time we got to Thursday, we're all pretty tired, and it was time to build um, that's a kitchen, by the way. And thanks, guys, for the backpacks. They were really, really popular. Um, but we were able to, their clothes were threadbare, and uh, we were able to help them out. Um, so Martina's house, uh, it went up really fast. Um, like I said, she kept an eye on quality control. The floor was to her liking, so we started from there. We built up the, the walls. We got the the bunk bed in, and uh, it was great. They helped us out once again, and we got some local people came and helped. The kids ran around uh, on the street and just had a wonderful time. That was a, the weather was perfect, and it just went super well. And uh, they were absolutely thrilled. We got the solar lighting in and the stove. You can see it in the background, and it was a big, big deal for them. Um, they have a lockable door. They have windows, and uh, it, they're a sweet family. And it was just a pleasure to build for them. Um, and then we hiked up the hill because we didn't have enough to do, right? So we went hiking up there. Uh, Gladys, the, the social worker, the volunteer um, that worked with us throughout the week, uh, her son lives up um, way up in the mountains and uh, in a one-room house, just adobe bricks. And uh, they lit it with candles. They had a fireplace outside. They had a spring with a... Um, a hose attached to it for shower and water, and that was it. So we were able to go up there and bring uh, electricity uh, through solar and attach it and hook it up to their house, and uh, that's how we ended that day. So that was awesome. The team was super tired. Friday was our last real work day, and uh, it was more 
home visits, more moving stories. I won't go into every single one of them. And uh, we drove down through uh, beautiful Panahachel, Lake Atalan, and uh, we went and visited Christina. And her husband had just passed away just 20 year, uh, days ago. Um, he was an abusive alcoholic, and uh, she was raising her, her boys. Um, she, didn't have a, she doesn't have supportive in-laws, and you can ask me about those kind of things and those traditions and social norms that we just can't understand. But we were able to help them out with food and, and clothing. And uh, it was just amazing um, to be out in that beautiful area, but yet heartbreaking to hear her story as well. So I'm going to just move right along to the last house of the day. And we call them the Maria sisters because, they, I mean, there's so many Marias there. And then their name is Maria something, 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 something. And then we ask the next sister what her name is, and it's Maria something, something, something. And I have no idea what it was. And where, you know, you try to write it down by the end, these, just like, okay, Maria's. Um, but the, the, the moving thing here was that when we went to their home, uh, we knew that they, they lived in the town of Solola. And, uh, but we were really surprised to find out where they live. They live on a rooftop on a three-story building, which is a, sh- a shop. And right now, this photo is taken from the second floor, which is all just rebar and everything all around us. And they live in that little house at the top. Um, and she has three small, or they have three small children up there. I think one is about two and so- two plus. And uh, she lives on the rebar. There's no railing or anything like this. Um, their situation was pretty dire. Um, and I got to stick to the script on this one because it was, Sue wrote this little part. And then she said, the children were Christian, Wilmer, and Melissa. Wilmer was either laughing or crying the whole time we were there. He gave Victoria a bleeding nose. It's true. He just popped her in the nose. He thought it was just hilarious. And... Uh, Dave saved the day with a Ziploc bag full of candy and a little dance, and uh, it was amazing. We were able to help these ladies. Um, we helped them buy a mattress. We, I could see their bed was perfectly made. Like, it just looked amazing. Like, how can you get your bed so flat? And then I put my hand on it, and it was just the box spring. And uh, so they had two box springs that they were sleeping on, and we were able to help with uh, mattress and food and clothing and, and some other things as well. And all these people are going to be checked on again by the local partners there and followed up with. And it's just, um, it's neat to be part of that mission. Uh, we were asked to, or I was asked to, to say a few words, as we often are, um, of encouragement to them. And I was just at a loss. I was lost for words. My, uh, my throat was tight. And these ladies, um, we, we asked them, are you Christians? And they said, yes, because... It was so obvious. It was so obvious that they had joy in their lives. And they had quite, quite uh, tough stories, but they just exuded this joy. And um, that was, it was a really neat way to end off the week. And uh, Saturday and Sunday, well, we had more time to ourselves because the, the, um, we went up to the brand new orphanage. And you guys have, some of you have been there uh, to the orphanage in Antigua. And they told us, well, first of all, why are you here? Well, we want to visit the kids. You know you can't visit the kids. I said, yeah, but we already got permission to visit the adults. They said, why would you want to visit the adults? And then they said, well, actually, you know what? There's um, chicken pox going through, and no one can come here uh, for another month. So go away. And so we had the day to ourselves. Um, that was fine. We got caught up on some uh, shopping, some rest. And uh, then we were off. The, on Sunday morning, and it was a full week. Um, we want to acknowledge those of you who gave to this mission. You responded to Christ's command to love. I'm sure for some of you it was sacrificial. It was out of the ordinary. You gave up something that you could have done something else with. Um, I don't know what it was. I don't know what you guys gave. I don't know how how that affected your lives, but I know in my heart and I, I trust that God knows and he will reward you. And you think about 
Um, you will be rewarded for even a drink of water given to someone who needs it um, because he loves people. Uh, it comes down to our motivation. Uh, God looks at the inside. He judges the heart. And uh, we probably have a pretty good de- idea by, you know, about what we're doing and why we're doing things. Um, and I think my encouragement to you is to store up your treasures in heaven and it's so much better than a momentary feeling of appreciation from people. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up right there. I thank you so much for your attention. This is the first time we ever got to speak about like a whole week in front of you. Um, there's so much more we can do. I'm just going to throw away like four pages here. And uh, I'm just going to read one more verse. And uh, in Galatians 6.14, Paul says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And then he goes on to say, what counts is the new creation. So let's just imagine heaven. You've got eternity to meet people and make friends. Some of us make friends faster than others, but hey, you have eternity. And imagine meeting a wheelchair recipient, a child who got a chance to go to school, or have a roof over their heads, or to hear the gospel preached for the first time, to have someone pray uh, who really loves them and cares for them, will remember them. You may not know it, but you sent your gift to be a miracle in their life. And his love that you shared through that points to his son, who is the greatest gift. So thank you so much. We give glory to God for this. Thank you.